I'm Nina, a co-founder of the Prism Awards and the Queer Comics Expo and program coordinator at the Cartoon Art Museum in beautiful San Francisco. And I'm Jessica. I'm an open-faced human sandwich. (laughs) Welcome to the Queer Comics Podcast. Yes, welcome. Last time we celebrated the rise of the TV queeros or queer superheroes from their appearances as queer heroes in the comics to faithful adaptations on the screen. Today we'll be talking about queer characters from comic-based TV shows and movies who deserve the honor of actually becoming comic book canon queer. Yeah, so today uh, there's there's a lot of this that's actually going on, which is kind of a good sign um, for other media, not necessarily for comics, because it shows, once again, that we could have more queer representation in comics, um, but it's it's at least progress in the the screen media. So we obviously don't have enough time to talk about every instance of this, so we kind of narrowed it down to a couple that I think we're best equipped to talk about, and then we've got some honorable mentions, and we'll look forward to hearing some listener suggestions for, you know, all the ones that we missed that that were terrible human beings for leaving out, but... (laughs) Well, yeah, and then also it's like we're just doing a set amount because there are... We can't obviously talk about all of them in one episode, Mm -hmm. but... Mainly focusing on ones that um I wanted a good mix of a variety yeah. of different people. But we and we also do welcome people telling us. We hope you hit the forums and really uh, share your queer comic knowledge out there as well. But yep. um, today I think we're gonna start by following up on some characters we mentioned in the last episode. So we did mention from Deadpool two the couple of Yukio and Negasonic Teenage Warhead, um, which afterwards I went in and did some more research, and I was really surprised to find that I could not uncover any representation of a queer relation for either of them in the in that comics material of the characters that they're based on. And Yukio is a, a mixture of two, right? Yeah, she's... Well, it's also the same with Negasonic, because basically their namesakes aren't necessarily the ones that inspired their powers in the film. Right, right. Yeah, and they do that So they have the, like, Yukio kind of draws her name from the Yukio in the Wolverine comics, but it's not the same powers at all. For the Wolverine comics that she was in, there is actually, she does have a relationship with Wolverine, um, and I actually found that partially. A romantic Yeah, one? yeah. She has a romantic okay. relationship with him. Okay. I thought they were like, okay. I, I didn't read that. They they are kind of mentor comic, and so. mentee for most of the comics, but there is a period in the comics where they actually have a relationship together, uh, but it's, yeah, it's fairly it, brief, I, I think, compared to most. Yeah, so her first appearance was in Wolverine number one back in September of 1982. Nerd. Yukio. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Nerd. What'd you say? Nerd. I'm just, I'm reading this stuff off the internet. <laughs> just want people to know in case they want to go back and read that particular version. No, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, but uh, her powers are mainly drawn from the character, uh, uh, Yukio's powers from the Deadpool 2 movie are drawn from the character Surge whose real name is Noriko Ashida. In retrospect, I'm like, why'd you call her Yukio if the character you based her powers on is called Noriko? I mean, I feel like those are two... Maybe they just preferred Yukio. I, I, I think that, at least for the look of Yukio, she's a little bit more goth, which is actually more Negasonic Teenage Warhead's lineage, is being more goth than punk. The punk re-do for the uh, suit 
was more recent to kind of, I, I think, make Negasonic more current because, like, I think the goth scene's not so big. So I think Yukio also got visually some of the look of Negasonic when Negasonic was goth. If that, okay, if that makes I sense. I mean, again, make it more confusing. <laughs> I mean, but I don't mind when people take liberties with those kind of elements of the character, especially if they're going to bring us a queer characters and a queer romance all at the same time. So, yeah, so, uh, not complaining. It's definitely shows how in this instance they there are benefits from drawing from different aspects of lesser known characters to bring to life something really cool. Yeah. And I, I really like their sort of repertoire between each other in the Deadpool 2 movie. And I'm curious, I, I think it's probably the actress for Negasonic that is part of why that relationship is a queer relationship, because she's uh, out and queer and would, I think in an interview she said something like, I'd, I'd rather it just be like, yeah, there it is. <laughs> well, well, Ryan, yeah. well, like I said in the previous ep- episodes is that Ryan Reynolds had the pull to be like, I want to make her a queer character. And she was down to play it, obviously, because that actress is also queer. So Okay. Do you know if it was her idea or if it was Ryan Reynolds' idea? And I Everything like- I've read has said it was him okay. who pushed for it. Hmm. Because if you think about it, like, it's basically his movie. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, if he's like, hey, why can't we give Negasonic a girlfriend? It's all your fault, you know? Ryan Reynolds. I just don't, I, I just don't <laughs> feel like if... Yeah, it's like I'm sure they're all cool to work with. I'm just yeah. I everything I've read has said it he was the one who championed it, which is huge. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love that about that movie. And I know that they released a new cut of Deadpool two that is rated PG thirteen, which I thought mm-hmm. was interesting because I think part of why they got away with doing whatever they wanted with queer relationships, even though there's not anything inappropriate for kids between Yukio and Negasonic, that part of their freedom to go more of a queer bent was probably because they were making a rated R film. But So I'm curious how it cuts together as a PG-13 film. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way either, and I, I didn't see that cut yet. Hopefully they didn't cut down on those scenes, because they were very tame. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, I don't, they don't really do anything explicit together, and that's kind of all we want as queer characters is like yeah you don't always need to show us like making out or doing something sexual to include us in the story <laughs> in a good way so <laughs> yeah and the it's like the movie that they did for the PG-13 was just called Once Upon a Deadpool yeah no i saw the trailer for yeah. it with Fred Savage i i could oh, oh that yeah so. that's right that because genius. it's a, a parody genius. of of Princess yeah, Bride yeah i'm glad they did a PG-13 cut because mm-hmm. when when kids are asking for a character um it's important to have it like the the version that adults like but it's important to have a version that kids can kind of grow into until they're ready for some of the more adult comics and yeah deadpool's definitely yeah. <laughs> that case no yeah, i'm fine yeah. with it i'm like by all means release the pg-13 version of the first one too. I feel like that one would be a lot harder to cut for PG thirteen. I mean, he can reenact some of the scenes with puppets. <laughs> I'm just like, thinking about uh, the, the the sex yes, scene with puppets. The was it women's appreciation? Find a way around it. Day like with they could just rewrite the scene, mm-hmm. being like, and they loved each other very much. The end. 
Um, the end. But yeah, so so that was curious. So I just want to kind of bring that up for a quick moment. But mm-hmm. I think you pulled together the majority of this list, and I think you're mostly familiar with uh, more of these characters, Jessica. So let's kind of go ahead and uh, jump in. No pressure, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the one of the top characters on your list was Denise from Walking Dead. So so why did you want to focus on that character? Oh, okay. I and I also just want to before we get going on this, there will be spoilers. So if that's not your bag, just if, if you hear a person or a storyline you haven't, you're not familiar with, and you don't like spoilers, just skip ahead because we gonna get into some spoiler territory, especially with Denise. Because uh, Denise, the thing about Denise, before we get started on that, is that The Walking Dead in itself, the TV show, has become fan fiction. Of the comic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the, the spinoff by, has it, become a fanfic of the TV show, which is a fanfic of the comic. Which which spinoff are you talking uh, about? I, the, are you talking about Fear yes, of the Walking Dead? Yes, Fear of the Walking Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that actually takes place in the TV universe. I know, I know. But it feels like it's like a, it's like the baby of a, like it's the next generation. Like it's like third time The only spin-off. good thing I can say about Fear of the Walking Dead is that it wasn't a comic first. Those characters, at least, they exist in the TV universe. Mm-hmm. So maybe, and I don't think they're gonna carry over into the comic. And I like Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah, so it's like the the show has become fan fiction of the comic, and I feel like the comic is now becoming fan fiction of the show. I'm very confused. By it all. <laughs> uh, it's so it basically got to the point where I had to stop following the comic as much and follow what was happening on the show because I cared a lot about the characters on the show because I was watching that before I read any of the comic. Mm. They mix things up, so they give people different storylines, different deaths, different love interests as actors come on and off the show. So with Denise, I was really excited because she's played by one of my favorite actors, uh, Merritt Weaver, Mm -hmm. who I'm not sure if anyone's watched her on Nurse Jackie, which she won an award for and she had like the shortest, most amazing acceptance speech. But I was really excited when they brought her on the show because she's a really relatable character, and she's really funny and sarcastic. And also her character is very open about having panic attacks and anxiety because she was, before the outbreak, she was studying to be, a, a, she was a medical student and she was going to be a surgeon, but then she changed it to psychology or psychiatry because she was having panic attacks and she was like, I want to understand more about this. So uh, it was just like really interesting to have like a neurotic character come in and be like, this really important character from the comic book. Mm-hmm. And it was cast very well. She had, like, the whole style was correct. You know, very spot on. The main difference on the show versus the comic is that they paired her up with Tara Chambler, who actually is not really in the comic. She's mentioned in the novels. And Tara hadn't had a steady girlfriend up until that point. Denise Cloyd was introduced. But but Tara show, had, so. had other queer relationships previously on the show? Yeah, I guess how those ended. <laughs> <laughs> with zombies excuse me walkers <sighs> anyway <laughs> anyway so season six episode two it's actually i i'm i was gonna say it's one of my favorite episodes uh it leads to one of my favorite it's like one of my favorite carol episodes uh, mm. that's kind of how i qualify there's so much walking dead that it's basically like i can't say i have one favorite episode i have a fa- like favorite episodes for each character they focus on certain people, and this yeah, one... they kind of like rotate around the cast and 
Yeah, so when she the episode she's introduced in, she basically is settling in as becoming the new kind of medic for uh, Alexandria, and she's super nervous about it, but it's, you know, and it's totally relatable because she's like, I, this isn't, I have to do this. We're going to see if I can do it, and I might fail, but whatever. And uh, I think one of my favorite quotes from her in the show is uh, when she's talking about how people don't want her there. She's like, but I'm here now. And I only kind of want to throw it. <laughs> that, that's a pretty great like, line. Yeah. It's such a great... She has, like, so many really good lines. And, like, her delivery so good because she's uh, very comedic. And, you know, she does both drama and comedy very well. And is she also in Godless on Netflix? I was going to get there. Oh, okay. But, yes. If you want to <laughs> see more Merritt Weaver playing a queer character, that's awesome. Yes. Watch Godless. It's a great Western show. Yeah. So a little plug. Uh, that's something that I'll plug. Anytime we bring up horses from here on out, I'll probably bring them up. <laughs> it is pretty rad. I'm so sad that it was such a short series, but I, I think they did yeah. a good But her character was awesome mm-hmm. in that. Like, it, it was her character so good. But anyway. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I, I, I jumped ahead. I couldn't hold myself. No, I agree. I was actually holding back. <laughs> I could talk about Godless forever. <laughs> She's like this really quirky new addition to the, you know, TV cast and her death in the comic books. Like when I, you know, realized who she was playing, I was excited. And then I that with any new introduction of a character in The Walking Dead, whether they're alive or dead in the comics, there's always a sinking feeling of dread because you're like, fuck. <laughs> you're like, I really like this person, but yeah, fuck. the circumstances and- they're being put into just like kind of. Could could too easily turn into sad queer story. Exactly, and this one does as well. Mm-hmm. In the comics, what happens is Denise is also, you know, the medic of the crew, and like so, she does help people out with that. But she also develops a relationship with Heath in the comic versus Tara in the show. I was kind of glad that they changed that up initially, and I was, I remember watching that whole thing play out, and I'm like, this is uh okay, this is interesting, getting a little bit of. More screen time with Tara and Denise. I'm like, this could be leading to something good. And then they start talking about their feelings and the end of the world and love. And then on The Walking Dead, that's pretty much the kiss of death. (laughs) Happiness. And And now you die. Yeah. And then uh, they have that whole, like, it's just like so little screen time is devoted to their relationship. And it was... It kind of sucked. Like, they had some really good scenes together, like, when they were, when Tara was, like, kind of, you know, Denise is, like, sitting on the floor, and she's, like, at her wit's end, and Tara's, like, you know, it's at the end of the world, and kind of gives her a pep talk, and it's just really sweet moments, but very few. And that's kind of what made her death in the show a lot harder. In the comics, I'd say her death was a little bit more heroic, Mm. because... In the comic, Denise, she gets bit because they have, like, bags over the heads of uh, the savers, like, are like, okay, we're going to give you back your people. And then she she takes the bag off the first person, Holly, and Holly's been reanimated because they, it was a trick, right? So Holly bites her. Mm. And then there's, like, this whole attack. And uh, there's a grenade that's thrown, and Heath is caught in that, and... And this is right after she's bit, so it's kind of like this choice where it's like, well, we can cut off your arm and maybe save you, or you can keep your arm and save this guy. And she, she's like, no, I'm, I can't save Heath if you cut off my fucking arm. So, so she saves Heath in the comic, 
but then ob- ultimately succumbs, right? right? And I was like, that's a fucking like, badass way to go out. And the show, Tara goes off on a run, and they have that moment where it's like, oh, Tara says I love you, but she doesn't say I love you because she'll say it later. Yeah. Oh. When has that ever worked out for oh. anybody? That That's like the first season of Game of Thrones, all the snow people being like, everyone from the snow house being like, okay, we'll see you in like five minutes, right? <laughs> five minutes? Mm. Six seasons later. Ultimately, what happens is Denise has a really great episode where she's like goes out on a run with daryl and she she kind of like she has to kill a walker and then she finds some soda pop for tara and that uh, ultimately that like is something she's like really excited about getting given that to tara she gets into a whole thing with daryl and rosita and she's talking about how he reminds her of her brother and she's like in the middle of this great speech that i almost like i don't want to recite because it's like yeah just watch it. Uh, <laughs> even though it's like traumatic, I would say watch it just because her delivery is great. But she's in the middle of this great speech about how she's she wishes that she had said I love you to Tara. And she's working through getting over her own shit. And, and then she gets an arrow through the back of that. Bravo. The crossbow. Bravo. Yeah, right? <laughs> and then like, and, and, oh. this is, and it was like so devastating. She's so good. She's, like, a really relatable character. I like all the main actors on that show, but that moment just was horrible. And it was basically the death Abraham had in The Walking Dead. Mm. And, it's, it's interesting yeah. because on one hand, it's, like, the sad queer story, but on the other hand, you're in a universe where pretty much nobody gets any kind of happy ending. So it's it would be... It would almost be weird to have a, to have a happy one. It, it, that's also why, like, I love The Walking Dead, but... I don't want to spoil anything currently, but yeah, it it definitely proves that point unless you're Rick Grimes. Yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, he seems to be... Stumble into greatness. Yeah. Ugh. His his character in the TV show got really boring to me pretty quickly, and so I think that's part of why I wandered away from the, the TV show. I, I mean, I don't blame people. Like, he has some really good moments, but... You know, it's like these characters who come into the show, like Denise, they changed her a lot because I don't, she's not nearly as neurotic in the comic, at Mm -hmm. least, in my opinion. And I liked that they introduced someone who was, you know, like she had like this huge responsibility after she became the only medic. Her first scene, she's talking about panic attacks, busting jokes at Eugene and being sarcastic i think i think the main point is that you know you've got you've got one character that everyone's familiar with so that whenever you come into or however long you're with the show you can always kind of be use that as like your reference point almost like your um guiding star and then all the other characters who are far more interesting come and go but they're what you watch the show for i mean at this point there's a there's so many characters that I... It's like I can't quit that show because there's just so many good characters that aren't Rick Grimes. So you hang on for them. Yeah. No offense to Andrew Lincoln, but it's like if Michonne wasn't on that show, I might not be watching it. So. That's true. Like she would be a reason for me to come back because she yeah. was always an amazing it, character. Oh, yeah. Her story's just getting better. Carol, if they had gone and killed her off, I probably wouldn't be watching the show still. Maggie, Tara, mm-hmm. they're and they introduced more lesbians this season, two Ooh. more, but they're side characters, so didn't really want to get into yeah. that. But still, more um, to look forward to. Uh, so the reason I think that they made Denise gay is one like I think it was 
just a long time coming for Tara to have a romantic interest on the show. Because mm-hmm. the other one was very, very brief. Like, and she died in a really shit way. Mm. But it was she got shot in the head by a kid. And oh. it was bullshit. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Spoilers. And the main reason, and it's kind of shitty, that I think that they killed Denise the way they did and made her gay. Like, one, kills two birds with one stone. We can give Tara a romantic relationship so that people stop saying we're not <laughs> giving her a romantic story arc. And then thus puts her on a revenge journey similar to what they do with, you know, most heterosexual characters on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, because she does, after that, she's out for revenge. Yes. And then secondly, they needed a decoy death before the lineup episode. Mm. So basically by giving her Abraham's death, people were like, oh, maybe maybe Abraham will die in the lineup instead of Glenn. Yeah, just kind of so like, like a red I, herring almost. Yeah, it was a total red herring. So that's why I feel like they worked her into the story, which is kind of shitty. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, that's it, it clearly, felt like her character was more yeah. used instead of, like the actor seemed to try to add as much agency as possible, but that in terms of the plot, it was the character was really used for purposes that were not the best yeah, they ones needed they could. yeah yeah because like they had two deaths coming mm-hmm. up you know as far as the comic book story they had abraham's which is like a really iconic death and then they had glenn's who was even more iconic and then what did they do they just made it so that they could do them both at once yeah so anyway that's all i have to yeah. say <laughs> Denise so cloyd r.i.p <laughs> Now, now that we kind of went down this sort of depressing avenue with a show <laughs> filled with death and chaos and uh, red herrings, we'll kind of flip that around and head over to Supergirl, and because you know that's that's the total opposite range from Walking Dead. Supergirl's all about hope and perseverance, and you know Walking Dead's about perseverance too, but in a, mm. in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to talk about a character in the. TV show, she's known as Nia Nal. <laughs> right. And then... Nia Nal. Oh, sorry. I think it's Nia Nal. <laughs> in the TV show, she's known as Nia <laughs> Nal. In the comics, it's Nuranal or Nuranal. Well, I'm not sure. We'll see. I'm going to say no. <laughs> I'm going to go with no. I'm yeah, with the no. Yeah. You're probably... It's, yeah. Everyone else is always right. So, in the TV show, Nia... I'm going to say it the wrong way now. <laughs> Just say Nia Nall. Nia Nall. And we could be wrong okay. together. Um, so in the TV show, <laughs> right. Nia Nall is a very strong trans activist and superhero working at CatCo, uh, kind of coming in as a protege under Cara Danvers, aka Supergirl. And she is seeming a little bit off. And, you know, we're constantly guessing, like, what's going on. And she keeps saying she has sleep problems, and then she's telling people different stories, like, oh, yes, she does, and oh, no, she took care of that, don't worry about her, because uh, people are getting too involved and too helpful in trying to give her assistance so that she cannot fall asleep at her desk all the time. And then we find out she's getting these nightmares that are almost like a premonitions and flashes forward, and then... Finally, the the Supergirl team is able to help her learn how to harness her powers to take down this season's big baddie, Agent Liberty. Yeah, yeah. And also, I just see, like, the episode where she's carrying around all the coffee and lying to everyone about it, it, a part of me just kept 
thinking about the episode of Saved by the Bell where <laughs> with the with the speed, <laughs> you know. Where, sorry, that's all no, I thought okay. about because yeah, she's like yeah, yeah, she's yeah. like trying to stay awake, and I was like I, that whole episode. I was like, guys, you need to have like an afternoon. Afternoon like special, special yeah, like, moment right hey, now. Kids, you know, <laughs> yeah. Watch your your health habits. Yeah, uh, I was like, that's not healthy, even if you don't think she's an alien. So yes, yes, being being yeah. a hero is all about balance between the the workplace and your your heroing, and caffeine yeah. intake. It's true. Apparently. It's true that Kara makes it look easy. And Kara, Kara, what the hell is me with names? <laughs> it's true that Kara makes it look easy. I've said Karen yeah. before. It's it's easy to mix it up. But uh, oh yeah, and also there is important to note: this version of Neonal is actually is actually going to be a descendant of Neuronal. Ah, so okay. that's how she. Yeah, so that was reported in Entertainment Weekly. I just you just found uh, that. But yeah, well, no, I just I forgot to mention. Uh, I, just, okay, I forgot okay. to. It's not in my notes. It's just. Yeah, so that's that's kind of so it's not exactly that character. Okay. From. But that's still super interesting. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. as a descendant of Neuronal, that means that there is no comic book version of Neonal in existence at this point. No? Yes? Not not obviously not as a trans woman, no. Yeah, well but, definitely not but as a trans woman. But it's like it's very but the thing is like if they never introduce Neuronal into Supergirl TV show, then technically it's basically based on her. Okay, if that so like it sense. could kind of be like yeah. a one of those conglomerate characters again. It, it could be. Maybe they'll introduce that character. Who knows? Right now, I think it's kind of it's kind of cute that they keep making like references or like that Brainiac and her might. Yeah, their their like, mutual awkwardness is. I'm entirely in love with the possibility of them getting together. <laughs> and yeah yeah they they'd be a really cute couple and i i just really enjoy like the that tv show is definitely doing a lot to create queer inclusion and i like that they kind of go to the line of like overplaying their message but to me it never feels like it gets totally campy or if it does that they're completely self-aware and doing it on purpose yeah their campiness isn't is outmatched by legends of tomorrow (laughs) but they do still have a fair amount Mm -hmm. of campiness they don't win the campiness wars though so sad and yeah they don't i mean i thought they did but honestly i feel like the legends writers rooms are like oh yeah we could we could top that (laughs) Every hey, but uh, their their campiness actually, I w- I would have to say, has died down a little bit this season, just because of the message that's being brought with Agent Liberty, and I really like that Dreamer uh, played a big role in like how the plot was foiled, kind of by finally tapping into her powers and learning how to use them. Yeah, I thought that was really cool that that's how the mid season ended. And Dreamer is the superhero name. Correct. Yeah, yeah, of Nia yeah. Null. Just like, clarifying that. Well, yeah, they're referring <laughs> to her. Yeah, because they're referring to her in the show as Dreamer, like her superhero. Yeah. Dreamer. and Which makes sense because she dreams and has premonitions in her dreams of what's going to happen and then kind of goes on that. I also like that when she comes out to Supergirl and like talks about, you know, who she is and it was that was a really sweet moment when that happened. I, I do and, like and, how sort of personal and touching all the moments of representation are even though it's in a modern more open world but also 
not. They're like open mm-hmm. about things that we aren't, but then close-minded about things that we don't deal with in the exact same way, like the sort of illusion that they make about uh, discrimination towards aliens. Aliens. Is, yeah. You know, it's it's not it's not very layered about what they're talking mm-hmm. about, but they, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, agent liberty. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, it's a uh... but but that they use that so that, that way they can in general kind of like be a little bit safer and a little bit more inclusive of other things that we are not as good about being open minded it... about in our world. Yeah, and it also explains why Neo was like initially trying to hold back her powers mm-hmm. is because you know she wanted to be accepted and and also just like the things where like her intro episode where Kara is just like oh my god she's me. <laughs> Because they're so, because it's just like basically <laughs> they have the a lot of the same mannerisms as far as like how awkward they are and clumsy and it's I I like that juxtaposition a lot yeah about how she becomes the mentor you know whereas like Cat was kind of her mentor when she first started at Catco and then you know vice versa so it's I I like that they they actually show growth and development outside of the superhero stuff yeah and I, I think that I, I also like. The showing the differences in the mentorship strategies of Kat versus Kara. And I, I don't know that if Nia was working under Kat, if it would have the same positive mentor relationship or if it would just oh, make God, things no. way worse. Oh, God, that would be so bad. So it's, but I don't want to yeah. see So it. it's an interesting talk about leadership styles and personalities, too, in addition to queer representation. Yeah, I also love that they work in Calissa Flockhart clips <laughs> of her being like the press secretary. It's so yes. good. It's, those bits are so so well done. So, um, was there anything else you wanted to kind of touch on with Nia before we dive into other parts of the the Arrowverse? Well, Nia is played by Nicole Maines. I don't think we've I don't think we've actually said Nicole's name. Oh, yes. Good good point. um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) And uh, one of the reasons why I like that they picked her for the show is that outside of acting, she's actually done a lot of work for trans rights and was recognized for GLAAD for that. Yeah. She's an activist in real life and brings that to her role in the show. Yeah. Yeah. And I I really respect that. And I I, I like that. No, I think that's awesome. I'm curious if anyone will become more aware of her activist work because of the show and kind of follow Oh, I'm sure they they have to. I mean, like, she's already been recognized for it outside of this. And then on top of that, being being an actor gives you a lot of pull, like, publicity-wise. Like, she can, you know, her very existence on the show is doing a lot. True. Yes, yes, that. And, And on a show... Unlike The Walking Dead, where everything, there aren't going to be people dying every two <laughs> They're actually going to... Positive actually gonna role de- models. Yeah, when something comes up, they deal with it, and they resolve it in a way that they can make, they can, in in a good way, where, yeah. mo- for the most part, nobody dies. And, and I, what I love about that show is that it's not, it doesn't try to be, like, the good guy versus bad guy, we beat the bad guy into pulp. Like, this whole season has been about trying to figure out how to understand the quote unquote bad guy and that it's not just about, you know, you know, stopping them from doing a thing, but it's also about, you know, if if somebody is a bad guy, they're probably doing it because they feel misunderstood or there's something else going on there. Yeah. 
Yeah, true. So, true. To kind of jump into, we'll we'll do a crossover. We'll do a crossover, um, which I've really enjoyed a lot Boo. of these crossovers. <laughs> yes. uh, for the the Arrowverse, um, it it really uh, guilts me into the the knowledge that I, I should be watching all of the Arrowverse shows. Um, but I I have made had to make some time priorities and narrow it down. But since I I mean it's difficult. Even I haven't watched the entirety of Arrow and Flash, but I I know enough about it. I just I I've definitely more committed to the other CW shows that I watch. Yeah. And yeah, I don't I don't think I could live without Supergirl. So that's my that's my priority. Yeah. But I get it. So the first crossover event that they did was Crisis on Earth X. And one of the things as we were finding people to talk about in the show is that I, I was not finding a lot of queer representation for masculine characters in TV shows if that had not been previously established somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so I really want to make sure that we included this as, as part of it, our conversation. Yeah, that, that first crossover event was just a big gay superhero showdown. It was amazing. Yes. There's a lot of really interesting ways they played on the alternate realities, you know, with like particularly the Nazis. And basically the big thing that came out of that was a romance that was the focus of it was between Leo Snart and the Ray, played by Russell Tovey. And I actually really, I was surprised by that relationship because I was like, wait, where the heck did that come from? But I really enjoy it. I really like the chemistry that the two characters had together, how they introduced them in the the show, and just how, like, some of their conversations about heroing versus concentrating on your relationship, because that's a a thing that they talk about as well. And also, I'm just curious, when you watched Crisis on Earth X, had you seen uh, Leo Snart in any of the other stuff? I had not yet. Okay. So, yeah, so basically he has a few different names. In the Crisis on Earth X, it's a different version of him than he's appeared before that. Mm-hmm. So he's called Citizen Cold right. or Leo Snart. And then in the original version, which first appeared on The Flash, because he was kind of like a villain on that show for a bit. I don't want to say in the same way Catwoman's a villain in Batman, but... I, I get what you're trying he, to say. Like, a, get, a, like he's kind of a playful villain. An, a, like, an anti-hero, yeah. basically. Yeah, or, but, bit, not, he's, but he's not a hero yet. Like, he's on the path yeah. to becoming yeah, the it's anti-hero he is in Yeah, because his there. first... Uh, yeah, his first depiction in The Flash, and then when he gets recruited on Legends of Tomorrow, when that first started, he's very much an outlier, along with Heatwave. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's he's known then as Captain Cold. Right, which more people and, are probably familiar with Captain Cold. Yeah, so Captain Cold first came on the scene back in like way back in the day, back in uh, Showcase number eight, mm-hmm. and it, <laughs> I love it. That um, cover art for that comic is so hilarious. What it, do, can you describe? Yeah. What it looks like? I, I think I've seen it before, but I can't recall it. I'm like I'm I'm like I thought I had it up. It's literally like a giant finger booping the flash. <laughs> it's, like, it's uh <laughs> it's pretty amazing. And he basically starts out as a flash villain in the comics, and uh, he was created initially for that purpose. Mm-hmm. And he was created by uh, John Broom and. Carmine uh, Infantino yeah. back in the day. Wait, also and, no involvement uh, with Spider-Man. You mean Captain Cold? Oh, Carmine Infantino or... was also involved in Spider-Man. Oh, I thought you said he wasn't involved in Spider-Man. No, 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 oh, was. Okay. Was. Was, okay. <laughs> and yeah, so I think that's kind of what they drew from as far as initially making him a Flash mm-hmm. villain in the shows. 
And I like that they basically recruited him to work on the Legends of Tomorrow. And him, along with Heatwave, those are two really good examples of how to pull from the further reaches of the comic book universe and bring something really cool to the screen. Because they brought Captain Cold, and they, for one, he's played by a gay man, mm-hmm. Wentworth Miller. You know, ultimately, you know, Crisis on Earth X is like the big gay storyline with him with Rut the Ray, which I really liked. And before Crisis on Earth X, he had actually been killed off of Legends of Tomorrow and like he like sacrificed himself to save uh, Heat Wave mm-hmm. and basically the rest of the team. So it was like it was really big hurrah. And him and Sarah Lance actually gives him a kiss right before she leaves that particular scene, which I thought was really sweet. And like a kiss kiss or like a kiss on the cheek or like a... Oh, no, it was a full-on okay. kiss. So you could argue he's bisexual. Okay, interesting. Because uh, yeah. they, they do flirt a lot. Mm-hmm. His character seems very flirty in general. Very flirty. So it's hard to very read when it's just his personality and when it's something a little more... I mean, you could read that as bisexuality. Yeah. I'm fine with that if... if mm-hmm. But I liked that moment was really sweet. And so, like, it was kind of sad to lose him, but, you know, they were doing, like, new Prison Break stuff, so that's probably why he had to go. When they brought him back for Crisis on Earth X, they did it a really smart way because this version of him lived in a reality where, like, the Nazis took over and it was run by Supergirl. <laughs> And and arrow, yeah, uh, yeah. Which I that whole thing was just oh my god, I can't. Comic books love doing storylines where they are like, oh, you think these guys are superheroes? Well, now they're the bad guys. Like, and because they love getting yeah. rise. Um, I still remember oh, yeah. when they did the storyline. I think just a few years back Hydra about and yeah, Captain, Hydra America. Captain America, assholes. Anyway, <laughs> and uh, so many people uh, <laughs> were so pissed, and I was like, you know what? Yeah. It was bound. To happen. Don't be surprised. I'm like, I'm He's like, are probably you probably not sh- legit Hydra. Yeah, Just give it, it was, time. It was so dumb. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so basically, I the interesting thing about the Crisis on Earth X storyline is that the whole thing that sets it off, uh, or one of the main subplots is that Leo Snart from this alternate reality where he's alive and Heat Wave had died, mm-hmm. you know, he, he went a completely different direction. He's like more heroic. He's not, he didn't devote himself to a life of crime. He joined the Freedom Fighters led by the Ray and they fell in love. And It's, uh, it's interesting that yeah. they use like the death of a character as a catalyst for change and it's true like when oh they do that i know they do it all the time and so it's it's easy for that to be overused or like oh Mm -hmm. you know that's the simple solution to our story problem but it is if you've ever experienced losing someone in your real life the the loss of someone you truly care for just completely changes you in a lot of ways and so it is even though it gets it does get overused it is a legitimate story arc for for yeah. any sort of uh, change. And what they're doing with the uh, different realities is they using it very, in a really smart way because this happens right after he dies. Like, it's not too long after that they have this crossover. So Mick Rory has to confront this new v- version of Leo who's completely different but still technically the same. Mm-hmm. That And then, like, basically after Crisis on Earth X is resolved, 
he decides to hang out with the legends for an episode and um that episode's really funny because the legends are also dealing with the loss of another character and because because citizen gold has a background in psychiatry he tries to help them work through their grief with a doll a mu- basically a muppet version of the character that died i will have to go like, back and watch that cause it is so curious. hilarious <laughs> i i rewatched uh, a lot of season 3 within the last yeah. month and Oh my god, it's that episode's just hilarious because Mick just grabs the doll and starts punching the shit out of it. <laughs> it's uh but there's everyone's reactions like just gold and I just also love that psychiatry is like his thing. Yeah. And also again, speaking of loss, this character that they just lost in their timeline comes back to help them with the loss of another character. True. It's, uh, Interesting. It's really cool. It's really well done. So one of the other things I've been noticing as we've been talking about this is the a lot of queer actors are being able to play out characters. And I'm really excited about that trend that seems to be emerging. And I'm, I'm curious, does that also play into our next uh, example for, for Dark Matter? I don't think Melissa O'Neill's gay. <laughs> so no. as much as I wish, uh, but I do like that Wentworth Miller played a queer character, a queer superhero. So with Dark Matter, if that being a different situation, how do you think that affects the way that the the character is played? Well, first of all, let's just give a little brief intro okay. to Dark all right. Matter. So, so I don't know how many people are familiar with it, and then talk about oh, that. Yeah. it's it's a bit of a sore spot because it did it is it got canceled after three seasons. So Dark Matter is a science fiction show that was basically conceptualized by uh, Joseph Malozzi and Paul Muley. It was adapted from their comic book series, and it was only a four-part comic book series. Which was published by Dark Horse, right? Yes, it was published by Dark Horse. And the artwork for the comic was by Gary Brown. And that was back in 2012, so basically sci-fi acquired the rights for adaptation. And it wasn't a sci-fi original, which will be important later (laughs) and (laughs) and it was only a four-part comic series so it was relatively short but it's basically about these six people who wake up on a spaceship there's yeah there's four guys one girl and one younger teenager and none of them know why they're there and they're all like i guess their first reaction is like to try and kill each other but they basically have to work together to figure out why they don't know who they are so they all have numbers for names at the beginning of the series and two is a woman who assumes the role of the pseudo captain from the get-go because she's that's just kind of how she rolls how her character is even without her memories mm-hmm. and slowly it's revealed who they are and as they regain their memories of when, when they regain their memories i should say because they don't all have them from the get-go they're completely different people than when before their minds were wiped that is interesting to think about how much our our memories affect who we are oh yeah and that's a huge part of why her character is really interesting and also the fact that she's on my list of queer (laughs) characters is also a bit of a spoiler because that doesn't get revealed till season three episode 10 (laughs) you are spoiler city spoiler city guys and so she's technically bisexual because she does have a relation. She sleeps with one of the other characters on the show and uh, pretty early on. Why, why do you say technically? What's revealed in episode 310, because when we're talking about memory, mm-hmm. is that she doesn't know who she is. So the whole reason it's revealed in season three as to why she actually went on a mission 
and became like this ruthless captain. Well, her name initially is Rebecca, but then she changes it to Portia Lynn. Hmm. So she becomes this ruthless captain of the Raza. And it turns out that the reason that all happened is one, she's a synthetic. Uh, she was actually created by Dwarf Star Co- Company that is a big like kind of antagonist organization in the show. And the doctor who created her, Irina Shaw, played by Zoe Palmer, created her in the Dwarf Star facility and then realized there was like humanity in her, you know, and whatever. And they, she helps her escape the facility. Does she kind of, and, am I stepping ahead if I say she falls in love with her creation? Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly what happens. Yeah. I mean, the montage is just incredibly gay and amazing. <laughs> Zoe Palmer is, you should watch anything she's in. She's great. And yeah, so it's that whole thing of like falling in love with your creation. But then on top of that, two, Two's body is basically made up of nanites. And you, that's revealed around season one when she basically should die in a certain scenario and doesn't. And then she realizes she's a synthetic organism. And then that leads to like little conflict with the crew because they're like, you're not even a real person. What the hell? Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so so she doesn't realize really the true meaning behind it until this episode in late in season three, which is like a huge revelation, which made it even more devastating. We didn't get a season four. Uh because yeah. basically she finds like the sanctuary that her creator, uh, Irina, or I should say her lover, because they were in love, for to be like a sanctuary for androids. and But she becomes sick and she ends up having to go into stasis in order to keep her alive. And basically what happens is two, who at that time is going by back in the past, when this is all happening, going by Rebecca... Uh, she basically creates an android that looks like Irina Shaw. Hmm. So in that episode, we not only learned the origin of uh, two, but we learned the origin of the android. And the android's like, oh, well, this is awkward <laughs> because it's revealed that, you know, the android is basically created in the image of two's former lover from before she lost her memories. And, and creator. And creator. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like <laughs> the, the buns yeah. on your like... Three by three or something. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's so, it's, yeah, so that's, I mean, I know I'm like, it's, I'm spoiling a lot of like the key plot points of Dark Matter, but there's a lot of really good stuff that I obviously am not going over. If you haven't watched it and I just spoiled like a huge bit of the plot, but it's, it's important for understanding why I like this character. It's like, cause in the, the comic was so short lived that we didn't really, you didn't get nearly that much, but also a really cool thing is that the same creators from the comic worked on the show. So that is do you, it, do you know what yeah. went into the changes that they made between the comic and the show especially in terms of queering characters? I'd say like the main difference is time. So like in four issues of a comic, mm-hmm. they you can't reveal all this stuff <laughs> like, and have it be nearly as impactful as how they laid it out on the show. Yeah. But not necessarily an excuse not to have queer characters in a comic either. Yeah, it's true. I uh, I mean, my guess is that it probably they were doing a limited series it feels like it definitely could have gone on, but it feels like what happened is they got picked up and decided to just flesh it all out on the show. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it feels. And Joseph uh, worked on uh, also like SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis and uh, Stargate Universe. And so he's done a lot of other sci-fi stuff. So and, uh, do you think that it was... He's worked on other shows as well. So, so yeah. do you think it was possibly their intent from the start of the comic to eventually queer the characters that they did whichever whether or not they continued the comic or had made it into a tv show 
Uh, I'm not so certain because the main difference I would say is that the android in the comic is actually a male android. Hmm. So they couldn't actually have gone, had that in mind with the comic. Yeah. So I, but I do like that they changed the android to a woman for the show, for one, mm-hmm. which they picked the perfect actor to play her. And who uh, plays her? And, uh, Zoe Palmer. Oh, right, right, right. So Zoe Palmer <laughs> plays the android. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted uh, you to plug it one more time. Yeah, I'll plug her all the time. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Phrasing. Yeah. And, uh,. <laughs> Basically, by changing the android to a woman, that opened up this whole thing where they could play around with it in season three. I also like that Irina Shaw, the human version of Irina Shaw, is British, <laughs> which I love. I just, I loved it. It was like, because like the android is not British. So like, she's only mirroring Irina Shaw in um, image, not in full personality. Yeah. That may also, uh, in the show, help you tell which is which. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> The season three was just full of cliffhangers, and I like that. Um, on uh, if you go on Joseph's blog, he basically did a virtual season four because, and he was actually probably as far as canceled show goes, he was probably the most vocal as to like why his show got canceled and talking about like the the politics behind it because he basically did an interview where he said that. Since it wasn't a sci-fi original, they weren't as financially invested in moving the show forward. I can, which is like, see that. so because it, it, yeah, yeah, because their ratings weren't terrible. It's just that at that time when they canceled the show, they wanted to focus more on stuff that was primarily sci-fi content. That yeah, that was completely and wholly owned by sci-fi. Yeah, so it just and it it just makes it like extra painful because they actually had just created this epic queer launch pad for un- so many stories to shoot out into the universe. So so you were saying And then they killed it. He did a a season 4 on his blog or that he just uh... He basically tweeted out like as like a mini screenplay on Twitter. Maybe it could come back as a comic, but as far as I know it hasn't yet, but it wasn't taken off the air just because of ratings because like it didn't have it had worse ratings in season 3 than previous seasons. But it wasn't bad enough to get to, the show booted yeah, off. To garner that. So a lot of people thought it was just shit ratings, but it was really just also them wanting to focus more on sci-fi original content. Yeah. Which technically Dark Matter wasn't, even though I'd argue it was because the comic book series it's sourced from is four issues. <laughs> I feel but like, it, But in terms on, of rights and how much money they make off of it, it was not, I'm sure. And that's just so unfortunate because it's, it's the perfect show for sci-fi. And I mean, sci-fi has a lot of really good stuff. Like, you know, they've still got Killjoys in... Which is which? There, there is a dark horse comic named Killjoys, but I don't think it's, the, they it's have not the same to do with one another. Nope, 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 nope. And otherwise, I've talked about it all. <laughs> and so, so the last, so for that yeah. season four that he did after the show was canceled, was there a continuation of the queer themes that you enjoyed from the show? Honestly, I haven't, I haven't read it all. <laughs> and and what you read was read there any? I read I read parts of it when he was posting it on Twitter. I haven't read the complete version, but I just like the fact that it exists in some form. Personally, it's almost like his own. It's, fan it's a little hard for me to go back and and read all of it, just because it just reminds me that it's not there anymore, no. and it might not be there ever. But one can hope. Two was just a really. She was just a badass, mm-hmm. badass character, and she was a female captain, and also she made her own her girlfriend by, bisexuality. <laughs> Uh, well, no, she was, no, her, 
the sorry, sorry. Her girlfriend made her. <laughs> the girlfriend made her. Yeah. What came first, the girlfriend or the android? Um, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. You need the girlfriend to make the android of the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So this comes back to her bisexuality and memory. So basically, when she woke up, she didn't have any memory of that whole past she had, where she had fallen in love with this woman. Mm-hmm. So when she wakes up, you know, over the course of the first season, she has a relationship with a man. So that's why, you know, it's that's how she's bisexual is because like when she woke up, she didn't remember why she was on her mission. I mean, she didn't fall in love with the guy, but she has a relationship with the guy. So it's it's clear through that that she's bisexual. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why I think it's interesting because it's like she also doesn't remember her relationship. It is, and then when they meet again, it's kind of awkward because the lady does. They find a way to get the lady out of stasis and they have a conversation and it's a little heartbreaking, but they both kind of come to terms with it where like because she has basically been living a different life since she woke from her coma, she's not the same person. So she understands why she went on her mission now because it's been explained to her. But as far as feelings go, like she lost all that. Like Mm -hmm. she can't remember how she felt about this woman when they meet, but she understands their past, so it's kind of heartbreaking a little bit. And and I think there are documented cases of people who have memory loss who forget that they're loved the married person, or, yeah, that they've been yeah. married to for a decade or more, and yeah, so yeah, that's always it, that was yeah. So it, it's kind of heartbreaking, but the way they play it, Dark Matter was a show where that could always be rectified in some way because they end up having to part ways because Zyrena Shaw ends up taking another character who's in stasis because she's about to die off somewhere else to help her, you know, with her disease. And so they go their separate ways because they're being tracked down, uh, you know, by the bad, bad guys. Big bad. be as vague as possible. <laughs> so they part ways. It leaves the door open for somewhere down the line, you know, had they done a season four, maybe Irina Shaw could come back into two's life. Who knows? Um, now you yeah. you should write your own fan fiction. I think I'll probably go back and like reread all of the dig- uh, virtual season four before I do that. <laughs> that was just a really important part of season three of Dark Matter that I really enjoyed, and she's a really great character. So and and also you can see Melissa O'Neill on The Rookie now. So if you don't know her from Dark Matter, you may have seen her on The Rookie with uh, Nathan Fillion. And if you want to go back and watch the three seasons of Dark Matters that they did do. Um, do you know if it's available anywhere? Oh, Netflix. Okay. It's on Netflix. Cool. Yeah. So we've had a lot of fun talking about these characters that we feel passionately about who blossomed in the TV and movie sphere, but never really got their chance in comics. There are a couple of others that we have as honorable mentions. Kind of obviously Alex Danvers from Supergirl, Tara Chamber from The Walking Dead, who I think you mentioned was not in the comics. Her her last name's Chambler. Chambler? Oh. It's weird. Okay. It's like it's like, why couldn't you guys just do Chambers? <laughs> I don't know what's and so, uh technically she's in the novels. Yeah. Uh Alex Danvers was you know, basically created for the show. I don't know. It it, it may have just been an homage to Captain Marvel. Yeah. Uh, and currently, she, she reminds uh, me it, a lot of Batwoman, actually, which is dude, weird. I thought, yeah. bef- I, I, I would also wouldn't be shocked if they do two universes of Batwoman. <laughs> if the way they have it with the different Earths, yes. she could easily still play Batwoman. However, make my dreams come true. 
I'm fine with her being a female Nick Fury. Yeah, that's fine. No, with me. I love that part too. I was <laughs> like, yeah, totally. DC, do your DEO shield agent angle. Go, go with it. Run, run, run as fast yeah. as you can. Yeah, because yeah. Um. Uh. And yes. You also mentioned Jerry Hogarth. Which I'm behind on Jessica Jones, so we kind of yeah. Well, that's a whole thing. Yeah. Where a lot of these, the ones that we didn't get to, are going to have to be elaborated on because. Jerry Hogarth's a complicated cat in the show. And you haven't watched Jessica Jones yet. Do it. As we record this, so. I'll do it. I'll do it. We also had considered Sarah Lance and Nora West Allen. Mm -hmm. But I think that for me, I'd kind of maybe have to go back and watch more with Sarah Lance because I'd kind of fallen a little bit out of interest with her character. And I haven't watched enough Flash to really speak to (laughs) <laughs> Nora, so it's it's all because oh. I don't watch enough TV. Um, you have to like if you get to season three of Legends, you'll be fine. Okay. But I yeah yeah. So so we didn't have enough time to talk about really those characters in depth or a lot of other characters that are uh, out there that are queer in screen media, but not the comics media, even though they live in worlds created in the comics so we'd love to hear from you and let us know who we should talk about in future episodes check out the geek therapy network forums and we would love to see you there give us your feedback before we wrap up the show or to wrap up the show we have a little bit of extra credit and we kind of do a extra credit every week are you ready for this jessica no (laughs) i'm never ready every time yeah i'm (laughs) never ready like that's like my motto never ready never ready (laughs) <laughs> so no, no never ready always thank you <laughs> so if you could give one of these new comic based tv queer characters so that 10 times fast their own comic book title uh who would it be and why so that they could actually explore their queer relationships in the comics or their queer identity okay so i'm going with the one that's probably most least likely to ever have this happen for them that's what i'm doing this based on do it denise as she appears on the walking dead tv show like had she not died yeah because you'd need like like, an alternate universe walking dead it would be have to be an au of walking dead where her and tara actually get to be together and survive that's what it would be but it's basically just fan fiction that character is just so relatable and one you don't see in a lot of shows like The Walking Dead, where she kind of like is awkward <laughs> and neurotic and funny, but also learning how to be capable in a world where it's her, she's dealing with anxiety and panic attacks. I think that's something that is really important that we didn't get to see play out nearly enough on while she was on the show. And I think it would be interesting because to date, I don't think any of the characters on there aside from eugene have displayed as much neuroses you know and then be ended up having like a really cool story arc like even eugene is still neurotic as fuck i don't think he's really coming (laughs) but i i I would i would love if she hadn't died and maybe they'd given her and tara like a little spinoff comic so what about her neuroses would tie into this hypothetical queer comic for denise which I'm going to call The Walking Denise. The Walking Denise. <laughs> <laughs> the Walking Denise. That'd be amazing. It would just be like wanting to give up every second, but not doing that because feeling like you want to die and then realizing that you can't. Do you think she would find strength in her relationship with Tara? Yeah, because that's kind of what 
they were hinting at mm-hmm. in her last episode. Had they not killed her, that would have been a really cool thing. What if she had had a near-death experience instead of actually dying? I, I think yeah. that would have been just as impactful. You know, they didn't have to kill her. What if the arrow had gone through, like, something and they had had to save her life and she almost died? I think Tara would have been just as upset. Like, mm-hmm. That's what I would have liked to see play out. Some Someday your fan fiction will come. <laughs> My fan Nah, I'm, I gotta, man, it's so exhausting thinking about that, but I think that would have been an interesting, more interesting than her dying. I think that show and just in general, the whole Walking Dead story relies so heavily on shock deaths to move a story forward that I think that's why it burns out a lot of people. Yeah. Although what they, what they're doing with Rick Grimes, I'm like, why can't you do that with other people? <laughs> and, you know, yeah, it's and like, it's like, there can be more than one. And now that Denise is off the show, I kind of want Tara to be lesbian Rick Grimes. But we'll see. <laughs> All right. That's my dream. Update That us. is my dream. I'll, I'll, if it happens, then it happens. If not, oh well. So the two that I would go for would be for Negasonic and Yukio to have like almost like a little romantic Riverdale style comic not not the tv show necessarily not quite that train wreck (laughs) sort of drama um no fucking murder which has its own place and um yeah but just something that's like yeah uh cutesy and adorable uh i I also don't think negasonic would go for the whole river riverdale scene i like (laughs) yeah like shake it up a little bit like she she would totally Mm -hmm. be midge from archie from the comics where She's okay. like, you got like I'm just just outside of you guys and I can go along with this sometimes, but you guys are weird. <laughs> and I would also like to see it for Yukio's personality. She plays really good comic relief in Deadpool 2 when there's so much comedy going on. But I would also love to see a lot more of like who who is she revealed. Yeah, I that that's what was missing from the Deadpool movie. Like they could easily just make a in-between comic, mm-hmm. you know, of just their adventures. Yes. Like, that would be cool. What was the first mission they went on together? These are things that I want to know. What was their first date like? These are the questions I have for them. And I, I love how they're so perfectly, like, teenagers who are dating, just, like, classic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's... It, I I love the scene with them at the end. That was really cute, where, you know, Negasonic's fixing the time machine stuff. That was just... But it wasn't enough. I feel like... It, it, you did see Yukio enough, like using her powers and being introduced, and but I, yeah, I would like to know more about her, and I think a comic would definitely be a great way to do that. And then, of course, an Alex Danvers comic would be amazing. We already talked about how cool the like a DEO Shield thing would be, and a, a comic would be another great way for them to explore that. It would basically be like a, a Batwoman reboot, like we mentioned. Just had to say. Well, there, I mean, yeah, I know. We always come back to Batwoman. And it's, <laughs> it's that haircut. It's the, that, you know, it's funny because they're not really delving too deeply into her romantic life right now. They're doing dealing more with her work life. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the new haircut, the undercut she has this season is kind of saying it all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I also like that it's like brushed differently for different situations. <laughs> It's so like good. it's down it's all the way down the middle when she's at work and then you know she's down to party when it's off to the side. <laughs> but uh yeah, she doesn't have a uh, they haven't done a romantic subplot with her yet this season, yeah. but that haircut is all the mm-hmm. I'm I'm hoping with Batwoman <laughs> coming that or I'm I'm hoping that with Batwoman there will there will be things that happen oh in crossovers because there was all that what flirting if- that went on between her and Black Canary. In one of the other mm. crossovers that I was like, oh, oh my uh, God. wait, Black. Wait, are you talking about Sarah Lance? 
Yes. Was she? I, I think don't so. think she was Black Canary at that point. She was uh, technically still White Canary. Oh, White Canary. Excuse me. In crisis, wrong Canary. In crisis, wrong Canary. Yeah, wrong Canary. <laughs> Canary's mixed up. No, it's a uh, yeah. No, she was. That's when she was with Legend. So technically, yeah. she was still using the White Canary persona. But yeah, yeah. that whole subplot was amazing. Like where like she hooks up with her without realizing who she is. <laughs> She's like, how's your butt? <laughs> so good. It's so Allie, good. I love, I know, because I love Alex Danvers being just awkward as hell when it comes to a cute girl. Yes. <laughs> the best. Uh, they, yeah, Kyler plays that really well. So I, it would be nice, like, uh, both of those are really good things because they could easily do, like, a, a companion comic that explores that character more. Thank you for sharing in our episode, and we hope that you go on to the Geek Therapy forums and share your wishes for which comic book-based TV show queer characters you would want to have their own comic book title and what that would be like. And until next time, holy queers, listener, join us next podcast. Same queer time, same queer channel. Queer Comics Podcast is a part of the Geek Therapy Network. It is mixed and edited by me, Jessica Vasquez, and co-produced by Josue Cardona. Today's podcast also features original music by Tyler Francis, so if you like what you hear, make sure to check out his Bandcamp page, linked in the description, or follow him on Instagram at TylerIRL underscore. Make sure to subscribe to Queer Comics Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and check out more shows in the Geek Therapy Network at network.geektherapy.com.